Hey, I want to tell you something about, uh, uh, just read, to, to read two things for, for you from the Gospel of Luke. Uh, to, to the best of my knowledge, the disciples asked Jesus to do two things uh, that he did for them. There's, there, there may be a couple other things where they asked him to do things and he had to teach them. Uh, but uh, this situation, uh, there are two things that the disciples asked him to do. The first thing they asked him to do was teach us to pray. After, after watching Jesus for weeks and months and years, they thought, well, you know, what's the secret here? Teach us to pray. I, I just want to pause for a moment and underline what they said and what they didn't say. They said, teach us to pray. Not how to pray. Okay, that's the first thing. And the second thing they, they asked was uh, increase our faith. Give us more faith. Listen to what, uh, this. the first is from Luke chapter 11. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. Just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. And in Luke chapter 17, the apostles came up to the master and said, give us more faith. But the master said, you don't need more faith. There is no more or less in faith. You have, if you have a bare kernel of faith, say the size of a mustard seed, you can say to this tree, go jump in the lake. And it would do it. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, open our minds, our hearts, our souls, our spirits, the very core of who we are. As we hear the Bible, as we hear Jesus proclaimed, lead us into your truth. Empower us to do your will for the sake of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. So this is the third part in uh, our series called Big Faith. And as we just read, big faith is not a matter of uh, size. It can be as small as a mustard seed. Uh, Jesus, remember, he said, if you have, this, have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this uh, tree, be uprooted and go jump in a lake, and it'll happen. Uh, it doesn't take big like when we say big faith we think oh we got to be something huge no it, it's big faith trusts jesus for big results it believes jesus is who he claims to be and that he will do everything he promised big faith trusts him to make it possible to obey his commands no matter how difficult they seem to us So just for a moment, think about this. How different would your outlook on life be if you knew that 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 Jesus is with you and for you? 
How differently would you respond to life's difficulties, temptations, and even the good things if you believed beyond a shadow of a doubt that Jesus was planning to leverage everything for your good? That's what it's like to have big faith. So how does Jesus build big faith? Well, there are five things that the Holy Spirit uses. We've been talking about them, uh, and we're going to continue. The five things that the Holy Spirit uses to grow the, our faith are practical teaching, that is, teaching that we put into practice. Uh, two, providential relationships. That's what we're going to talk about today. Private disciplines, personal ministry, and pivotal circumstances. So let's talk about the relationships that Jesus uh, uses to change our lives. If we are like most people, and I've known you long enough to know that we are like most people, uh, we can't tell our life stories without mentioning people who've made sh immense shifts in our lives along the way. When, when you talk to people about their lives and their stories, you, you hear things like, uh, then I met this guy in history class. Or I met this gal at work. Or I had this teacher. The same is true in our faith stories. <clears throat> Our regular stories are like that, our, and our faith stories are like that. So here's the sermon in a sentence for the day. Uh, I'm giving it to you up front. That doesn't mean you can check out for the rest of the time that I'm talking, but it means that you, you can have it up front to hang on to. Jesus uses our human relationships to build our faith in him. Amen. Jesus uses our human relationships to build our faith in him which is why most of us are here this morning because we're sick and tired of not seeing people so who was it for you just think about this for a moment who impacted your life and changed uh, your direction for the better who, who moved you toward jesus who helped you build your trust in him now, it is possible that you may be thinking to yourself, you're not all that religious, or you have too many questions, that you have more doubts than faith, uh, and I want to tell you, don't worry, <laughs> you're not here by accident, you're not uh, seeing this uh, by accident. God has brought you uh, to this place. Uh, someone, somewhere, sometime, said or did something that led you to make the decision to either be here or to watch. Who was it? Perhaps it was a family member, a mom or a dad or an uncle or an aunt, or maybe it was a friend from school who, who nudged you uh, toward Jesus. Maybe uh, it was a coworker or a Sunday school teacher or, uh, maybe even a pastor uh, who helped build your trust in Jesus whoever helped you build your trust in Jesus that's what we call a providential relationship 
They're providential relationships because the Holy Spirit brings them to about. He arranges them to build our faith and our trust in Jesus. Uh, you are loved and cared for individually and collectively, but I want you to hear this. You are loved and cared for by the only God who brings people into your life to build your faith. Jesus uses our human relationships to build our faith in him. There have been, a, there have been so many people in my life that uh, I, uh, I can't list them all. You're welcome. Uh, it would take a long time. Uh, as I considered who impacted my life, I realized that with all my current imperfections, which are none of their fault, uh, and, and all the other issues I may have, I would have been a real mess. <laughs> I can think about what, what I would have been like if it hadn't been for these people. <laughs> you don't even want to know. I don't want to think about it. Keep, I have a nightmare. Uh, here, here are five of them. I'm actually going to add six. Uh, my mom and dad. That makes it total seven, actually. Uh, my parents. One of my earliest memories in life is kneeling with my mother and praying and receiving Jesus as my Savior. Truth be told, I don't remember a time I wasn't following him. It's because of mom and dad. Um, my sixth grade Sunday school teacher, Thad Harold, he went to heaven a long time ago. Uh, but he was the first man besides my dad who loved Jesus and encouraged me to do so. Uh, Keith Drury gave me powerful, practical principles for, for life. Spiritually speaking, uh, family, uh, in family life and in relationships and in ministry as well. Uh, two other men, Jimmy Johnson and Don Bray, were mentors to me to help me through uh, some of my early years in ministry. Uh, and then my fr good friend Tim Rail, who is also my coach, uh, and he continues to encourage and challenge me to trust Jesus more and more. To trust Jesus to do God-sized things in and through me. Jesus uses our human relationships to build our faith in him. So I want us to examine an example uh, of this kind of thing, this relationship uh, building faith uh, from the life of Jesus. It's recorded in Luke chapter 5. Um, it's a familiar story, but I think it's good for us to hear them over and over again. One day Jesus was teaching the Pharisees and the teachers of the law were sitting there. They had come from every village and from Judea and, and Jerusalem. So there's nothing unusual here. Wherever Jesus went, there were always Pharisees and teachers of the law following him. They weren't following him because they were disciples. They were following him because they were looking for an opportunity to pounce on something he said so they could show everybody how much smarter than Jesus they were. 
<clears throat> Love it. No, I don't. Oh, and then it tells us, and the power of the Lord was with Jesus to heal the sick. Wow, I think we could talk about that for a while, but I just want to point out to you that the power of the Lord is the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit was with Jesus in that meeting with giving him the power to heal the sick. It's important because some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a mat and tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Uh, this is a group of men. It, when, for a long time, I always thought it was like four guys, one on each corner of the guy's mat, right? It's as a group of men. Uh, in, in one of the other Gospels, it tells us that there was a group of men, four of them were carrying the mat. There were four guys carrying the map, but there was a whole group of them that came with this guy. <laughs> Nothing unusual here, though, because sick and paralyzed people were always brought to Jesus. Everywhere Jesus went, they brought their family members, they brought their sick friends, they brought their, uh, those who couldn't see, those who couldn't hear, those who couldn't speak, those who couldn't walk. It was not unusual for somebody to bring somebody, uh, bring family members to Jesus. These people brought their friend. This is a group of men who got together and said, this guy has to see Jesus. When they could not find a way to get to Jesus because of the crowd, they went up on the roof, lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. It, Luke kind of skips the thing. Uh, to, to lower somebody through a roof, you have to make a hole in the roof. Uh, they, they had to improvise. Uh, they tore a hole in the roof. They moved the tiles off the roof, and they moved the, the, the roofing that was underneath that, and they dug their way through until they could fit their friend on his mat down and somehow they managed to drop him down right in front of Jesus. I think that's pretty awesome. I'm on, I wonder what the homeowners were thinking. Does the insurance company cover this? Who's going to pay for that roof? What are these? Oh. I wonder. I personally wonder if Jesus had to stop whoever his hosts were from telling those guys they couldn't do it any. You know, Stop, what are you doing? No, no, it's okay, just let them do it. I'm a carpenter, I can fix it. I don't know, maybe that's what happened. So this is what happened. They lowered this man down in the middle of the crowd right in front of Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, he said, friend, your sins are forgiven. Now, I want you to notice, Whose faith moved Jesus to act? Their faith, the group. It wasn't just the guy on the mat. It was all of them together that moved Jesus. His faith, their faith, the group of men, their faith moved Jesus their faith in action. It wasn't like they sat at home going, I really believe Jesus can heal my friend. 
they picked their friend up and took him. I'm pretty sure he wasn't kicking and screaming. After all, he was paralyzed. Please forgive me. That was bad. But these guys, these guys believed that Jesus could help their friend if they could only get their friend to Jesus. Jesus uses our human relationships to build our faith in him. So men brought a paralyzed man to Jesus for healing, but Jesus goes in a completely different direction. And this, this is just an observation that came to me right now. The moment you think you have his plan figured out, he is going to go in a completely different direction. Amen. <laughs> this is the God who says, I'm going to do a new thing. Watch me. So he looks at this man and he says, not you're healed, but friend, your sins are forgiven. What? Now, just to put yourself on the roof. You've dug through the roof and you're realizing this guy's probably already filling out a lawsuit and calling, nine, uh, you know, 1-800-whatever-the-lawyer-was-those-days. Uh, and you brought him to Jesus so he could not be paralyzed anymore. And Jesus is doing this forgiving sins thing. No, that's not what we had on our agenda. That's not what we prayed for. They weren't the only ones who were asking questions because the Pharisees and the teachers of the law began thinking to themselves, remember, they're there to find something to pounce on. They have found it, they think. They began thinking to themselves, who is this fellow? Who does he think he is, is essentially what they're saying. He's speaking blasphemy. Who can forgive sins but God alone? These religious gotcha experts uh, thought they trapped Jesus. They assumed he was claiming to be God. They were close. Listen to this. this. Jesus knew what they were thinking. And asked, why are you thinking these things in your hearts? I just want to emphasize the fact that these people were not talking out loud. They were thinking these things in their hearts. And yet Jesus knew what they were thinking. And then he says, ask them this question, which is easier? To say, your sins are forgiven, or to say, get up and walk. Mm -hmm. Let's pause for a moment and think about this. First of all, how did Jesus know? Jesus knew because the Holy Spirit told him what they were thinking. And Jesus answers their charges that they have in their minds and in their hearts that they're thinking about. He answers their charges with a question, which is easier? Think about this for a minute. Which is easier? I'll tell you which is easier because you can see the results or not. You can say, it's easier to say your sins are forgiven. Who's going to know if they are or aren't? Two people, God 
and he frequently like 99.9999999999% of the time doesn't tell us and the guy laying on the mat would know if his sins were forgiven if the sins aren't forgiven and the guy on the mat goes, oh, I don't feel forgiven. Well, you know, that's your problem. You're living by your feelings. You don't need to really trust. When you're really sincere in your trust, your sins will be forgiven. Right? You can, you can tell people, if you're not a fake, you can tell people their sins are forgiven. And if they say it's not so, you can blame them. But if you tell a guy who's laying on a mat paralyzed, get up and walk, and he's still laying there, you can try to blame him. But there are going to be a lot of people in the room going, mm-hmm, you're a fake. You're a fraud. So Jesus asked him, which is easier? And then he says, but I want you to know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. Get up, take your mat, and go home. And he starts it by saying to these people who were there to catch him and to cause him grief, I want you to know who I really am. Because let us be honest and accurate about this. Your sins are forgiven and get up and take your mat, get up and go home. Those are both things only God can do. But Jesus commands this paralyzed man to get up immediately. Not after six months of physical therapy. Not even after six minutes of physical therapy. Not even after six seconds of physical therapy. Immediately. He stood up in front of them, took what he had been lying on, and went home praising God. Everyone was amazed and gave praise to God. They were filled with awe and said, we have seen remarkable things today. Jesus healed this paralyzed man in response to the faith of the group who brought him to him. So that... People, even those who were rightly so his enemies, we could call them his enemies, he did it so that people would know that he had the authority to forgive sins as well as to heal the sick. He did it so they would know he wasn't claiming to be God. He is God. Now, Jesus did three things in this, uh, in this account that uh, only God can do. And he did them because of the power of the Holy Spirit. And the Spirit was present. 
The Holy Spirit, by the way, can still do these three things uh, through Jesus' followers. Now, I'm going to say them in, in the order that I feel that I will be least likely to be tarred and feathered, but here, here they come, okay? The Holy Spirit can do, still do these three things. Jesus knew their thoughts. So uh, the Holy Spirit can reveal things to us so that as we're conversing with people, we can help them. He does not reveal things to us so that we can do a gotcha moment. Okay, the Holy Spirit can, uh, Jesus knew their thoughts and, and he can, the Holy Spirit can still give us insight into what people are thinking. Uh, Jesus healed a paralyzed man. And the Holy Spirit still can heal people through his followers. And the third one is Jesus forgave the man's sins. And the Holy Spirit can still do that and use us to make it happen. See, God is Jesus. Jesus is God. The same Spirit that lived in Jesus lives in us. The same God lives in us. Jesus uses our human relationships to build our faith in him. So what can you do? There's one thing you, you cannot do. Let me start with what you can't do. You cannot establish uh, uh, or turn a human relationship into a providential relationship uh, that builds your, your faith in Jesus. Uh, you just think about how creepy would it be to have someone walk up to you and say, Hi, my name is Mark. God has sent me to have a providential relationship with you. <laughs> Call 911 is right. <laughs> Call 911, the loony bin, the guys in the white coats that bring the little jacket that ties behind you. Uh, yeah. Right, that's scary enough. It's crazy. You can't, you can't do that. It's not your job to establish providential relationships. It's your job to be open to relationships and allow God to make them providential. We can't turn a human relationship into a relationship that builds our faith in Jesus. We can, though, intentionally seek out opportunities to develop those relationships. We can be open to those things. Um, so what does that mean? Here, here's two uh, quick two quick first steps. Join a group. If you're not in a group, join a group. Join a group that will provide the opportunity for providential relationships to develop. That is harder right now than we're used to. And so we're gonna to have to learn to think outside of the box for a while, or maybe inside the box of the computer screen, I, you know, or, or the telephone, or, you know, how. how. <clears throat> uh, speaking of the telephone, so join a group. If you're not in a group, join a group. If you're in a group and you're trying to figure out how can we get together, that's a good question. Start asking the Holy Spirit, how can we get together? Uh, the second thing is look for ways to encourage people. 
And, and I'm just going to throw a number out there. Uh, three a week. I mean, that's like one every other day and a day off. Uh, it, it can be a phone call. It can be a note. It can be a, a, a simple uh, pat on the back. Well, not these days. Uh, verbally patting them on the back, right? Or from a distance. Eric. Tim, Eric. High five, yes. Okay. Uh, See, so it's safe from this distance. <laughs> right? So we can, we, can, we, can, we can do things to encourage people. We just need to do it. I know I've been saying this, but I'm going to say it again. I, yeah, we, even before when we couldn't meet, we could still pick up the phone. We could still send an email. We could still write a note, throw it in the mail. We can still do that. We should still do that. We should keep on doing things to encourage each other and others. In fact, here's the third first step. Um, I just want you to ponder, to think about. Who can I get together to bring someone to Jesus? Who will be my group of believers to help me get my family member or my friend or my co-worker or my neighbor to Jesus? Who's going to help me? Remember? Some men brought a paralyzed man to Jesus. And when Jesus saw their faith, who's going to add their faith to your faith to help you bring somebody to Jesus? Let me pray for you, please. King Jesus, sometimes we wonder why the paths of our lives go the way they do. Why did we have that teacher? What, why that boss? We, we seem to find ourselves in all kinds of situations where we had never imagined, and we wonder, what are you doing, God? What are you doing with me? What are you doing with us? So Jesus, we want to be open to you using our human relationships to build our faith in you. Bring more people into our lives. Make us open to allowing a few more people into our lives. Why, people that will encourage us to trust you and people that we can encourage to trust you. Send us to those that we can encourage. Stay close to us and give us the faith to trust you for whatever happens and through whatever happens. We want to praise you. We want to be able to say we have seen remarkable things that only God can do. <coughs> Amen. Well, folks, your, church, your, uh, your mission is clear. Your mission is the same mission that Jesus had. He came to disrupt poverty, injustice, and oppression. 
He came to release the captives of sin, shame, guilt, and addiction. He came to proclaim the good news of God's grace and his favor. That's your mission. You are sent in the power of the Holy Spirit. Go.